Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man who once posed nude for a magazine, but the store clerk still asks if he'd be paying cash or credit. <laughs> it's Dale. Yeah. <laughs> be paying, charging double. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that was good. <laughs> uh, he has no words for that one. <laughs> no, that kind of got me. <laughs> I was sitting there going, where's this going? <laughs> where's this going? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't get very much, I'm, I'm afraid. You can imagine the blank stare you got when you just like, yeah, I want this magazine. <laughs> Trade out. <laughs> only fans live right here in the store. Yeah. <laughs> it's only going to cost you this magazine. I still expect to get paid. <laughs> yeah. Come on, chalk it up. What's going on, dude? <laughs> same old, same old. You know it, bro. Well, that's right. It's a good day. It was rocking and rolling on this beautiful day. I'm telling you. It's a good, good day. It is. Good day to record and get an episode out for our wonderful, wonderful listeners. Yeah, that's right. Even though it is a short week, we're still coming through. We did. You got any good shout-outs? Anybody you want to talk about before we get going, dude? Well, just a little bit. I'd like to give a shout-out to one of our friends down in Reedsville, North Carolina. It's uh, Francis Moore. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. ask, you got. She's a faithful listener and been binging our episodes. Yep. And wanted to... Just ask for something, and there you go. Yeah. Thank she'd, you so um, much. I think she'd comment on something or on our Facebook or one of our social media said, can I get a shout-out? Yeah, she had a comment before on the Berdella episode talking about how bad it was, and it was, like, bad, not our quality bad, but bad for what he did. Yeah. So, the, yeah, and I'd commented back, you know, well, I hope it was uh, the bad for what he did, not what we did. And she's like, of course, you know. So then later she asked for a shout-out, so we shall yeah. hook, you, hook you up. We appreciate everybody that comments and listens. After all that rambling, I hope that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But if anybody wants to go to the store page and get you a t-shirt, get you some kind of something to wear, support yeah. the crack house. Got a brand be, new design up. We do. Yeah. It's like a, a Goonies font with a skull. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, we don't rip off many people. No. Just everybody. That's right. <laughs> Just kidding. And if you want to drop some money in the gas tank, go to the website, click on the donate button. You can do that too. And... We will appreciate it a whole bunch. Yeah, if you want to rate and review, or if you want to just share, if you just want to go out in the street and scream your lungs out to the, your, your favorite podcast. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But uh, And also, we want to uh, thank Becky Long again last week for her, oh, man. That was her awesome. episode. Yeah. That was really good. Appreciate you guys checking that out, and uh, got a lot of good feedback off of that, and wishing her well, and getting her story out there. And her endeavors. Yes. Definitely. Very much. All right, dude, we're going to get into this episode because this is a, a pretty interesting case. And guess what? What? We are back in North Carolina for this episode. North Kakalaki? Yeah. Back home again. Yeah, we're out of Oklahoma and back to our home state to do this episode. And this uh, unsolved murder that we're talking about. Yes, yes. And we're down in Brunswick County again. This is on the East Coast. Is that where they make that soup? No, or it's not. Stew? No. No. Oh. But, you know, the last time we were down there, we covered Davina Buff Jones yep. that was murdered on Bald Head Island, the police officer there. Yeah, that was a pretty wild case as yeah. well. But we're down in Brunswick County talking about a young lady that was murdered in 1987. Yes. And her name was Beverly J. Potter Mintz. Now, she went by J. Right. That was her middle name, J-A-Y-E. Yes. So, but we're going to explain a lot of things about that, all that. Well, we're going to try. Get into that. <laughs> but we're going to... Tell us a little bit about Leland. All right, a little bit about Leland, North Carolina. This is where she was from. Right. And it is a, a town that is west of Wilmington. It's about five miles west of Wilmington. And the town was incorporated on September the 5th of 1989. Now, the town was named after Leland Adams. He was the nephew of the town's first postmaster which is pretty dang interesting. Now, back in 1990, 
the town's population was 1,800. Hmm. Yeah. It's a small place. Yeah. But in the year 2000, the population was 23,504. Ooh. Big, big jump. Yeah, packing them in, huh? Yeah, and they said this little area was the fastest-growing town and one of the fastest-growing towns in North Carolina. Right. It's in a good place. Yeah. Not far from Myrtle Beach, not far from Carolina Beach. No. Got a lot of beaches there to go to. and A whole lot of beaches. Big river there, the, the Brunswick River, they can people can play on and have a good time. And mm-hmm. Have so some you, stew. That's right. <laughs> Brunswick stew. Yeah. I'm sure they got Brunswick stew down there. But like we said, we're talking about Beverly J. Potter Mints today. Right. And she went by Jay. She was born to parents William Joseph Potter and Lorene Blake Potter there in Brunswick County, North Carolina. And Jay was born on November the 5th of 1963. Now, Dale, there was not a lot of information on her background, her childhood. Yeah, I stuff. couldn't find a whole lot either. No, but she attended North Brunswick High School. And she was a pretty outgoing girl. She was, all of her family said that she was just super nice, friendly to everybody, and very shy. Right, until you got to know her. Yeah. And then she was, wouldn't shut up. Yeah, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool it is thing good, to have. Good I quality, guess. and she was a very pretty girl. Very beautiful girl. Yes. We're going to post pictures of her and her family and everything, but this is a, a sad case we're talking about. Right. And this, I was just drawn into this story, and then we wanted to tell everybody about it. Mm-hmm. But Jay, she was 19 years old and three months pregnant, and she married her high school sweetheart. His name was Billy Mintz. Yes. And shortly after their first child was born, they named him BJ, they was having a little bit of marriage trouble. Yeah, well, that happens with young and, you know. Yeah. That kind of stuff. But they split up for a while, and her husband... He joined the military. He did. His name was Billy, and he joined the Army. Right. And he was going to be stationed over in Germany, deployed over to Germany. And Jay and Billy, they reconciled. Yeah. And when he went to Germany, Jay went with him. And they were living over in Germany, and they had a second child. Yep. His name was Andrew. And after a while, their marriage... Kind of fizzled out. It fizzled out. So Jay, she moved back to North Carolina Mm -hmm. and left uh, her husband, Billy, there. And she brought the two boys with her. Yes. Yes. At the time, this was 1986. She moved back in November of 1986 to Leland, North Carolina, back that area where her family was. Mm-hmm. And her and her boys moved into a small house that her family had owned since 1923. Yeah. This house was a little small gray cottage. And it was on Village Road there in Leland. It was on the corner of Village Road and Dresser Lane. And it was about a half a mile from her family or parents there. Next door was a florist. Right. And just right down the road was a restaurant. So there was a pretty busy road that she lived on. Mm-hmm. And she uh, she lived with her cousin. Her mother was actually had a twin. Her daughter. Yes. Lived with uh, Jay. And her two boys. In the same cottage here. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cute little house there, right there on the main road like we talked about. Mm-hmm. So this was in November of 1986. So going into 1987, Jay was getting back on her feet, Dale. Mm-hmm. She had uh, landed a job, and she was making her way and providing for herself and her two boys. Yep, doing good. Mm-hmm. And she would got a job working in Wilmington, which was five miles away. She was working at a Hong Kong restaurant. And doing well. Yes, she was. She was actually doing well. So I imagine that, you know, if her family owned the house, she probably didn't have to pay rent or anything like that, which helped out a great deal. Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah, we don't know that for sure. No, but, but I, I, would, I would think so. 
Well, you know, and they would probably help her out any way they could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they glad to have her back home, her and the grandboys. Mm-hmm. Grandboys, is that word? Grandboys? Her, her grandbabies. Her grandchildren. Yeah. They were both boys, so I was saying grandboys. That's right. <laughs> but she was separated from her husband, Billy, who was still over in Germany. Yes. But while she was over here, you know, she was working the stuff, and she was trying to get back in the dating scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing different guys, and she started dating the owner of the restaurant. Yes. His name was David Wong. W-O-N-G. And he was 15 years older than her. Right. Yeah. In a pretty su- successful restauranteur. Yeah. Is that a word? That's right. Okay. But she had also started dating some guys that were her age, too. Yeah. Just getting out there. Playing the field, as you will. Yeah. I just love, you know, sticking her toe in a dating pool. Mm-hmm. How about that? That's right. Yeah. And in early 1987, she had placed an ad for a waterbed there in the local newspaper right yeah she had saw that the local newspaper was offering a free one month ad you know and all you needed was a phone number to show your resident and then uh you could put your ad in there and they would run it for free for a month and she was going to sell her queen size waterbed so she had listed it for sale mm-hmm. and then after a month with no takers she noticed that they were still running the ad or where you could do a free ad. So she talked to her mom, and they used her mom's phone number and run the ad for yeah. the second month. Which is pretty smart. Yeah. Very smart. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to get that free stuff, man. That's right. Hopefully she can get some takers to, to buy this waterbed. Yes. So we're moving up to actually February the 23rd of 1987. Yes. Yeah. And like we said, you know, this waterbed was in, listed under her mom's name in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Now, it was a real... Well, it was on her mom's phone number. Yeah. No names. No name. It was just a what, waterbed for sale and a phone number and a and, price. And 150 bucks, yeah. Yeah. Very small, small ad. Man, I'd buy that. I love... I used to have a waterbed. I love that thing. You did? Yeah, it was huge. Hmm. It had the baffles in it. It wasn't that free flow stuff. It had to throw you out on the floor. You know, it had baffles in it. It was nice. You know, the one with the pedestal and had the, the drawers underneath. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then it had to be like the mirrors on the headboard and all that fancy mess. Oh, yeah. That's typical 80s right there. <laughs> yeah. Got to have a couple shelves back with a big mirror in the middle of it and all that mess. Put yeah. all your stuff up there? Yeah, it was cool. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's what, about what probably hers would have looked like, too. Yeah, it was cool. Should make a comeback. Yeah. But uh, we're moving up to February the 23rd, Dale, All right. of 1987. Here we go. And this was about 9.40 a.m. And this is when Jay's mom got a phone call yes. about the waterbed. Mm-hmm. Somebody was asking about it, wanting to look at it and probably purchase it. And she told the guy that, well, she told the guy where Jay lived. Yeah, give her uh, directions to her house. Yes, and when she got off the phone with him, she called Jay and told her what had happened. and said, let, her, let her know this guy's coming. Yeah, come, come over and look at the waterbed. Well, Jay had told her mom that the bed had already been sold. Yeah, a friend of hers' mother was interested in the bed, so she had already promised it to her. Yeah. Yeah, but her mom didn't know this at the time. No. And looking back now, if she would have called her mom prehead and told her the bed was sold, this would have been a whole different story. It could have been a well, whole different story. Well, I don't know. I really don't know. How about I'll retract that because I ain't so sure that... Well, anyway, let's just talk about it. Yeah, we'll just keep getting into it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't we'll let everybody make up their own mind about yeah. what happened. Yeah, because I don't know about this. But like I said, Jay told her mom that the bed had just sold, and but the guy was going to show up anyway. Right. So just well, tell he him. didn't have a cell phone or nothing. You can't call him on the way. No. So she just like, well, just tell him, you know, it's already been sold and he should understand. And Star 69 wasn't invented either. Nope, 1992. I looked it up because I'm like, you know, they could have got his number, but no, they couldn't. Nope. 
So the guy was just going to show up at Jay's house, and she was going to tell him that, you know, she'd sold the bed and just explain to him, and that would be the end of that. Anyway, for those who don't know, the Star 69 on a landline was a number. Someone could call you, you, you hang up, you hit Star 69, and it would give you the number of who just called. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't guess that's a cell phone thing. <laughs> I mean, so folks who landline phones now, you know what that means. Yeah. Star 69, that was yeah. a good that thing. Was, that was the end of uh, prank phone calls. You That's couldn't right. call anybody and ask them for a refrigerator. They cut that out. They cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Didn't. First time you do it and they call you back, <laughs> terrified. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to get a sideline, but oh, yeah. That's all right. <laughs> but now, Dale, with uh, this phone call of Jay and her mom, this will be the last time they ever talked. Yeah. This will be the last conversation they had. And it was a few hours later. This was around lunchtime, around noon. Lorraine and her sister. Her name was Laura. Yeah. They had stopped by the house because they had their older, they had Jay's older son with them. His name was BJ. Yeah, they had went out that morning to actually buy a birthday cake for the youngest son. He was, his birthday was the next day. He would be two the next day. So they had went out and bought him a cake, and then they had the older son with them while they were out shopping. That's right. And then uh, they were planning to go back over by Jay's and uh, finish up the plans for the birthday party mm-hmm. for the next day. That's right. But they got to the house, and they knocked on the door, but Jay didn't come to the door. Right, and the door was unlocked, Yeah, which we, is very odd, they say. Yeah, she yeah. always kept her doors locked. Yeah. so I mean, I'm sure that's got two different purposes. One, for keep people coming in, and also you ain't worried about the kids going out, you know, cause for, you know, not the one-year-old, but the other one possibly. So it's probably just a habit, I assume. I would assume so, yeah. But uh, they went in the house, and they could hear the youngest son, Andrew, crying. Yes from the back bedroom and Lorraine Jay's mom made her way to the back bedroom and this is where she discovered Jay's body they'd been bound on the waterbed yeah face down hands bound behind her back and she'd been stabbed yeah she had a pillowcase over her head yeah and she removed the pillowcase yeah. and noticed that her throat had been cut yeah almost uh to the point of decapitation yeah so severely and stabbed at least eight times. I mean, can you imagine being coming in there and seeing your child like that? No. I can't. I can't even I don't imagine. Want to. No. Mm-mm. So Lorraine, Jay's mom, grabbed up Andrew, the small kid there, the two-year-old. It was going to be two the next day. Right. And yeah. they ran out. To the, they ran to the floors next door. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wanting them to call emergency help nine one one, get them some help over there. Yeah, that'd be devastating. Yeah. And it wasn't too long the sheriff's office and all the local authorities got there. Yeah, and it was rough on them. They weren't used to seeing this kind of stuff. But it was rough. But Lorraine had commented to the local news station there that on the way out, as she was trying to get out the door to get to the the floors next door, that Andrew had commented that uh, mean man hurt mommy, mommy cry. Yeah. So when I was asking, they couldn't get a lot from him. You know, I mean, he's only two that they said that uh, they did get that he was a white guy and then the baby was making stabbing motions with his hand yeah that this is what he was doing and that's when he said mean man or mommy god I'm mommy mighty, dude and i'm thinking man this poor woman right now all she can think of is she gave directions to this guy to come over to her daughter's house yeah i mean how devastating would that be on you i mean whew, rough yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, that's just first that thing. That would be the first thing into her mind. Yeah. I told him where she lived. Yeah. 
now it's possible it wasn't even the same guy but i mean that's what you're going to be thinking but they were able to get out of andrew you know like i said the two-year-old that there was a knock at the door yes and uh jay went to the door to see who it was yeah now we've seen in research where they went to the door didn't see nobody went to the door and looked out the peephole didn't see anybody but i don't know about all that uh because as you said when you pulled it up the thing and you found pictures of the house there's, there's lots of windows on the door so yeah they wouldn't have had a there's no peephole and they wouldn't have been a peephole and if it was the guy who was coming to buy the bed why would he hide from view she's expecting him exactly so now whether that's true or not you know that's just what we found in research but that that's where uh that's what i go through my mind right off the bat if he's if he was going there on a ruse even if it was going to do whatever to her i mean why would you hide she's expecting you exactly okay go ahead. but this is coming from a two-year-old so we don't know if he hid or crashed yeah, down that, or that's what. true so yeah so a lot of that might be just somebody adding stuff into into whatever they were reporting i don't know because may that makes sense yeah because you know we really don't know what we happened don't know. but Who if you look, told you that you looked through the people right? we're gonna post pictures of this house and the door the front door had windows in it yeah i mean like was like a nine pane a nine pane window door yeah or half half the door was windows almost if they would have hit they would have had to crouch down way down or went way over to the side of the house yeah, yeah. but it's a very small front porch they couldn't have hid right i mean it just i don't know that that whole um bit is just doesn't make any sense to me at so all So maybe it's just to add on for a better story for i think so i got you but anyway left behind at the crime scene dale was a newspaper clipping and it was the ad that jay had placed for the waterbed right circled in red yes now this kind of bugs me i'm not too sure that somebody left that what if it was just her copy of it and where she got it and saw it in the paper and circled it and had it on the counter yeah or um now, investigators, is reportedly investigators, were thinking that they may have left us at the crime scene. That's what they were thinking. But to me, I don't. That doesn't make a lot of sense to yeah, me. Yeah, they believe the clipping was left by the killer. It was a calling card or a toning thing or something. Yeah, or by mistake. They don't really know. I mean, it could have been. It was theirs. All we her got. her cousin Angela had clipped it out to show her. You know, here's your ad. You know, right. circle it and show you that it was in the paper. Yeah, it could have been anything like that. Right. So we don't know, but. Anyway, that's the way investigators are looking at it for now, anyway. But the evidence hadn't led them to anyone, Dale. Right. Jill, this is Jay's older sister. She had told Dateline that their mother, Lorraine, had also planned to stop by Jay's house earlier than she did that day. Hmm. So I guess, you know, them out shopping and getting cake and party yeah. stuff, you know, you don't... You don't really know how long that's going to take. No, you don't know. I mean, all you get, I mean, basically what we're... What we know is she called her about 9.40 that morning and said she'd be over later. Yeah. There was no planned time to be there, so you know you know how it is. So sometime between that time and noon, Jay was murdered. Yeah, and sexually assaulted. Yeah. We left that out. But like we said, they were planning for this big birthday party. Jill, her sister, was on her way home from Colorado to North Carolina for mm-hmm. uh, Andrew's party. Right. And she found out her sister had been killed. So what we know, actually, as far as factual from everything is that her mother called her at 9:40, let her know somebody was coming to look at that bed. Her mother arrived at 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. give or take. Yeah, and she was had been sexually assaulted. She was bound up, stabbed, and her throat cut. Stabbed eight times. And pillowcase on her head, and left. And the guy, and whoever was there, left. Mm-hmm. That, that's really all we know as far as factual, factual. Now, just a little bit of talk a little bit about this area. Like we said, this was on a busy street. Right. And across the road, there was a house that was being roofed. There were roofers out there right. working. 
Yeah, and a lot of a lot of things make a big deal out of that. You know that they didn't see anybody drive up in the driveway, or they didn't see anybody in the yard, or they didn't see anybody. But if you ever done much construction work, you really if you're up there roofing a house, all you think about is getting out done, and so you can get out of there. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think they would have really paid a lot of attention to anything going around them anyway. Really. Yeah. I mean, if unless you heard you know screaming or something. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, that was going on and in the floors right next door. And then there was another road right beside the house on the corner that kind of run to a dead end, right? Yeah, this was Dresser Lane. And there were some houses down that road? There were houses dotted down that little road. Right. Uh, just, I mean, this house was in plain view. Yes. There were some things that led up to this that they were looking at, Dale. Like I said, her, Jay's a strange husband, was looked into, but he had an alibi. Yeah, he's in Germany. Yeah. So he, he couldn't have done it. He couldn't have done it. And they did look into the guy that she was seeing from the restaurant, the restaurant owner, David yeah, Wong. Right. And he had an alibi. It had been reported that there was a plumber at his house doing some work. Yeah, he and was home. The guy was over there doing some work. So He confirmed that he was at home. Right. So that stuck. Yeah. I mean, it ain't like it's a lot of big time. We've got two hours here. Mm-mm. That's right. It was very narrow time. Yeah. It was in and out. I mean, it was and a lot of violence went on in that in and out. It was... If you look at the crime scene, I would say it's, you know, seems emotionally charged to me. It's, there's a lot of, I don't know, it's just, and then with the pillowcase, it's a, mm. they, they said the crime scene was very disrupted. I mean, it was, it was some stuff going on. Serious. Yeah. yeah. Now, it was also reported by Angela, this was her cousin that was living with her, that there was a man who would write, I love you, Jay, in the gravel to their house, in right. the driveway. Which was very odd. Yeah, that ain't creepy at all. Mm-mm. And she had also said that once, when they placed the first ad, they started getting a lot of phone call, hang up phone calls. Mm-hmm. Somebody calling and hang up, and they're coming on or saying stuff, and then hang up. So there's a lot of weird stuff going on here about this in this time. Yep, and the phone calls would come right when Jay would get home. Yeah, she'd weird. come in the door, and the phone would start ringing. So like somebody was watching the house, or somebody knew what time she got off work, or something. It just it was a uh, pretty weird. Very weird. Now, Dale, there was a man, they said, who would leave a single rose for her at the restaurant where she worked. Yeah, I think she had a lot of admirers there. I mean, she was a very beautiful girl. Oh, she was it. gorgeous. So I'm sure, you know, and she's probably really nice to people at the restaurant, and some take it the wrong way, and some don't, you know. And you're going to have your admirers, I'd say. But Jay, you know, she had a quiet demeanor and was always kind to everybody. And I'm saying, you know, the rose is not near as creepy as writing I love you in your gravel in your driveway. That's very creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you definitely know you know where I live. Yeah. Now, about a week before Jay was murdered, her cousin Angela walked by her bedroom, and she noticed that Jay was kind of upset, Dale. Yeah, she was laying on her waterbed. Yeah. And she asked her if everything was okay, and Angela later told reporters that she told her that she had had a dream yeah. about a strange man that was trying to kill her. Yeah. Wow. And after she was killed... Angela just couldn't shake what had happened. Yeah, I'm sure that rocked her, man. Yeah, and it was like Jay knew something was about to happen. Crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Now, Dale, there was some DNA that was left at the crime scene. Yes. There was no fingerprints found. Right. It has never been disclosed what type of DNA, as far as I could find. No. But we're, I'm assuming at least semen, if he was, she was sexually assaulted. Yeah, but you'd think if it was a big scuffle going on, there would have been some hair. Right. Maybe some blood. If he's stabbing, you know, a lot of times you cut your own self. And if she scratched him, it could have been uh, mm-hmm. uh, his sails under her fingernails. Correct. Yeah. So, but they never really disclosed exactly what it was. No, this is 1987. They mm-hmm. still haven't disclosed that. Right, but at least they got some, you know, and I'm sure that was pretty early in the DNA game. But what baffled all the investigators was that 
and Jay's family is the killer was able to get in the house and out of the house without anybody noticing it. Right. And they also said, I saw today, uh, earlier that they went, they said there was definitely no forced entry, no prying, no, nothing, no windows broken. So definitely, if they had a key, they were definitely letting the house. Yeah. At this point, actually, it could have been anybody show up, and she would assume it was the waterbed buyer. Yeah. Right. What if the waterbed buyer just, I don't know, just didn't show up? Right. And it was somebody else, totally random. Right. And plus, if you, I don't know, if, if I don't, I really don't know. I mean, it's, I'm just thinking out loud that if the waterbed buyer guy calls, okay, I want to check on this waterbed. Okay, well, you can go over and check it out. Is he going to be there and listen, you know, in two hours? I mean, is he going right now? Is he just calling to check on it? I'll be by later. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's not like now where you can call on your cell phone as you pull it in the driveway, you know? Yeah. That's uh, just... There's a whole lot of ifs in here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff they haven't let out. Right. Yeah, they ain't telling us nothing, really. Just except the, what I told you earlier, we got his facts. So this this case just went cold, really. I mean, they thought right off the bat that, uh, I mean, my family was like, they'll solve this today. I mean, they That's what they were thinking, yeah. Yeah, they were doing And I'm sure the investigators like, well, we'll narrow this down pretty quick. But as of today, they still don't know anything, really. Or mm -hmm. at least we don't know. They did. I did see a, an interview where they said that they do have some uh, leads and they do have some suspects, but they are not telling us anything. No. Now, Dale, there was a forensic investigator from Fayetteville, North Carolina. His name was Dr. Maurice Godwin, and he thinks that somebody was watching her. Yeah. Watching her clothes, watching her actions, who was coming and going from the house, knowing there wasn't a man in the house, and what was going on that day. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, they, they went ahead with the main suspects, and they ruled him out right away. Yeah. And uh, that's where we kind of get into some deep waters here as far as talking about the waterbed buyer or was or was not. To me, I don't think that's who it was. No. And another thing, crazy thing about this was Andrew, the two-year-old, wasn't harmed at all. Right. So I guess the perpetrator didn't think that he would be able to identify him. Right. So he was, I would assume he's not a friend of the family. Exactly, because he would have... He could have probably told ID'd him yeah. that. Right, right. That was Uncle Bob or... right. John, or whatever they Joe down him, the yeah. street. Yeah. Somebody he didn't know. Right. Just that he was, it was a white guy and that was it. Right. Now later, um, now many, many years later, cause this is definitely a cold case. Um, they did purchase this, uh, an impact machine, an impact machine. And there was one, only one of few in the, you know, United States, I think what, 30 something maybe. Yeah. And then right away they started using this stuff and they did find some more DNA but, but they still ain't, they told, still us ain't told us nothing. And they were they run it through uh, Parabon, I think, as who as far as the it's a DNA profile machine or a program where it kind of gives you your background, where your ancestors are from, and it can kind of give you a, a a photo of what you may look like. Or yeah, similar. a profile. Yeah, it's kind of like what they used in uh, Faith Hedgebase, wasn't that right? Yeah, Faith Hedgebase. Yeah, in, in Carolina, and uh, and man, when they first run that, and everybody thought it was somebody else, it was like this is not him. But when the guy was finally arrested, it was pretty good. I thought, you know, yeah. it's close to what I'm doing. But the thing about what drives me crazy is is they do this stuff, and they have this stuff, but they won't share it. No. And I get it if it's a fairly new investigation, but this old, why would you not want help? If you have a photo, why not? I don't know. I mean, why do you think the guy's going to run away? I mean, I don't know. That kind of bugs me a lot. But the DNA hadn't been matched to anybody, which makes me kind of wonder if the one who done it maybe dead uh didn't have a family much and nobody 
has submitted any kind of DNA from that family for anything? Yeah, and we don't know a lot about the investigations because, like we've talked about this, especially down that dead end road. If they, there were several houses down that dead end road, we don't know who lived there. We don't know if they even talked to those people. As far as what we know for sure, I mean, you would think as an investigator they would have mm-hmm. talked to everybody, but hell, it could have been somebody down there that had been watching. It'd been easy to watch from there. Yeah, it would have been easy to walk up there. No car needed. You don't need a car in the driveway. Nobody's seen a car approach. That's why, you know, maybe could have come in from the back, come up, knocked on the door. She thought it was the waterbed guy right in because he would have been watching. He'd know that uh, she was there by herself. Yeah. But you know there's no man in the house. She would know that the cousin is probably not there by, I'm assuming by cars in the driveway. I'm sure that she had a girl had a car or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that would make sense to me more that, than someone coming to buy a bed. Yeah, and you said basically the knife, the nylon rope, and everything was brought by the killer. The knife was taken; it was not on the scene, but the the rope was there, and it was definitely not a rope that he found in the house. And this guy that left, he would have had to have left bloody. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't just. He ain't gonna go out and get in his car. He ain't bringing a change of clothes out there. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he would. It would have been a mess, I would assume. Yeah, makes me wonder too. You know, I did check the weather history for that day and the high that day was 63 degrees the low the night before was 35 so it's kind of a cool day it would have been a cool morning it was sunny but cool yeah it would have had a maybe had a a a jacket that he could have put back on and put over him as he was going back out could have could have had a hoodie on you know you never never know i mean i guess yeah it's a lot of a whole lot of uh speculation going on here but we're just trying to find something that makes sense to us and i just wonder yeah they hadn't let any all this stuff out and i just wonder if uh if he could have went out the back door, because there was a back door on this house. Yeah. If they found blood going out the back door. We don't know. We don't even really know about how much blood was everywhere. We just heard it was a really horrific crime scene, but as far as on the door jams or door handles or anything going out the door, and I'm sure if they found no prints, he would probably have gloves on, I assume. Yeah. I could be wrong. But, I mean, not even a sm- about smears or anything. Nothing. Nothing. Mm-mm. Now, in the year 2000, Jay's story was featured in USA Today, and hundreds of law enforcement officers across the country had called Brunswick County Sheriff's Office saying they were dealing with a similar murder. And Lieutenant Israel West, he told Dateline that possible connections to these murders were investigated while several women were murdered in a similar way, but no evidence led to a killer. Jay did have a cousin. Her name was Renee Braswell. And she was living in Texas at the time of this. And she was reported saying that she assumed the killer would be caught the same day. Yeah. And she just couldn't believe they were years later that they were hoping for a killer to be caught. Yep. Don't know anything. Mm Mm-mm. If they do, they ain't saying. But they were close. Renee and Jay, they were very close. Right. And they rode horses together and they could talk for hours and, and talk about anything. Yeah, and back then you wasn't doing it for free. No. She's called North Carolina, Texas. That's a long distance, buddy. And they were they were paying the bills for yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. But they don't consider Jay's case a cold case. It's I, just unsolved. <laughs> well, they need they must know a lot more than they letting us know. Yeah. I I just feel like this case could have been solved back at that time. I'm telling you, and, and it's not like they haven't been doing anything, or they've just been sitting on their ass down there because they have like twenty-two thousand pages of stuff in their investigation files. I mean, that's a lot of work. I yeah. mean, it's been a lot of years and stuff, but you got twenty-two thousand pages, and all you can tell us is there was two hours, and then she's dead and then died of a horrific death, and we don't know nothing. 
Yeah, they haven't released a 22, name at all. 22,000 pages? I know. They haven't released any names at all. No. Well, they ain't released hardly anything. But That's they did They did interview off. a lot of people around and talked to a lot of people that lived around the area. <laughs> well, hell, if you had a page on everybody in the damn county, it wouldn't be but 1,800. That's right. And you got 22,000. That's true. So, I don't know. This kind of pisses me off a little bit that they don't... I think, I don't know, I might be stepping way out of my bounds, but I think after so many years, you should be like, look, this is all, This is what we got. Dump it out and let everybody see it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I ain't saying it while you, it's an active investigation in the first, hell, first 10 years. But after 30, come on, man, let us know what you got. Maybe somebody can figure this out. Yeah, we need to know. Right. So Brunswick County Sheriff's Office, tell us some stuff. Tell us some stuff. Yeah, we want to know. This girl deserves some justice, man. Her poor, mo- her poor mom, man. Yeah, her mom. Yeah, she passed away. Yeah, now she did. She she used those grandkids to to keep her alive. I think she, you know, she adopted them and raised them grandkids. Yeah, she did. Them two boys to give a, you know, her something to live for. Cause I'm sure she was eat up with guilt. Whether it was her, you know, and it may not even have been nothing she did. No, but she honestly believes that she talked to that killer that day, and she told him where her daughter lived. Yeah, and she she lived with that. It was it was tough. Right, you know, and that would have been possible, but uh, I don't know, dude. And if you're going over there to get a bed, you're going to be driving a damn truck. I'm trust me, your water beds are not small. I mean, you got to have the frame and all. It ain't like you're just going to roll a mattress up and stick it. And you're going to have to have help. Yeah. So I mean, so if he was going by there just to look at it. Maybe we'll just swing in there and look at it and see when we get here or whatever. But I just, I just, I have a hard time believing that it, that was the the killer. Yeah, I could be way off base, but in my head, it's just that mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense. Nobody noticed anything. Nobody saw anything. I mean, you know, and I get it because if it's a busy road, it's not you're not really looking in people's yards when you're driving them down the road. You don't. And if there's a car there, you wouldn't notice. And you didn't know if it'd be there or not, mm-hmm. or if it should be, unless you just somebody who knows the family real well and you still wouldn't think nothing about it i wouldn't think i know you know and the roofers across the street roofing the house yeah would they have noticed anything would they like i said only way they would know something if they heard somebody you know scream out or yelling and then some guy runs out of house covered in blood yeah that that you might get your attention but i don't know it just i'm kind of more of a kind of what you were you were thinking you know maybe somebody that was watching close by could have been in that neighborhood yeah, went out the back. Could maybe hell, they might have could have parked over the floors. Well, I don't know, dude. Think, think you're not gonna go running out covered in blood. And I'm sure he didn't go take a shower. He wouldn't had time. He didn't bring an extra set of clothes in, the, in his backpack. No, I'm sure they would check the sinks in the shower and everything. Yeah, the blood. And, we won't know, do we? No, we don't know because they won't tell us. No, this is very frustrating to me. But it's and it's awful. This is just a terrible case. But like I said, uh, Lorraine and her husband, they did adopt them two boys and they raised them. Yep. And I did. That did give them some uh, life and a purpose. Yeah. Because she, uh, Lorraine, was quoted as saying she could see Jay and those boys every day. Mm. And she still passed away fairly early. She died on June 9th of two thousand seven. She was sixty three years old. That's young. Yeah. Yeah, she she lived with this, and she went to her grave not knowing what had happened. Right. And then one of the main investigators who poured everything he had into it, even staying to investigate on his own time after he re- he retired, he passed away too before it ever done. And then I've seen an interview today with uh, some of the, the sheriff's department, and 
some of those folks, you know, were had worked with him, and they were kind of making it their mission to at least get it, try to get it solved for him and the family, because you know that fella had put so much time into it. When a lot of those, and I think at that point when this interview was done, that there was, they were saying it was 19,000 pages, and this guy had done so much of that. So there are people who care and trying to get it done, but come on, get, let us help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say it like I'm gonna run down there and see what's going on, but you know what I mean. I got you. I get it, man. Yeah, especially if you have that that uh, DNA generated photo. Yeah. I don't if know. You got maybe, DNA. Maybe it just likes random white guy. I don't know. Maybe that's why they didn't post it. Maybe it just looks like everybody else in the county. I don't know. Or yeah, random white guy. You know. And another thing I thought of too was um, the exhumation, exhumate Jay's body mm-hmm. and see if they can find anything. Right. You know, there's been bodies exhumed years later, and they found stuff. Yeah. You know, see if she got anything under her fingernails. See, especially with their new technology they got. They could, yeah, it could be done. Right. Absolutely. And another sad part of this too, the guy she was married to, you know, they were they were separated. His name was Billy Mintz. Yeah. Yeah, he was the the one in Germany. Yeah, he passed away at the age of 29. Wow. After Jay's death, he had remarried a few years later, but he died on September the 8th of 1993 of carbon monoxide asphyxiation. Hmm. So we don't know no details on that either, no. right? So That's all that was. Right. That's all they've, they've told. That could have been a lot of different ways. Yeah. I could won't have speculate. Also, Dale, Jay's family, they created a Facebook page. It's called Justice for Jay. And this is where people can continue to make a plea for anyone who may have any information that could lead to a break in the case. Just begging somebody to come forward. Yeah. Yeah, like the investigators. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> and I don't mean to be slamming them because I know they're working their ass off and they're trying to do stuff. But I just I just do not understand why, after all this time, you won't give out. If you, if you know some stuff, and you may not. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But come on, man. 20,000 pages. Something's in there. Let us know something. <laughs> now, this Dr. Uh, Maurice Godwin, he also said that he believes that the killer's name is written on those pages somewhere. He believes that. Hmm. He did act, have access to these files at one time and was able to look through them. But he believes there's a stalker and somebody was watching her very close, knowing her her comings and goings and what was happening. Yeah, knowing that schedule. Knowing that her cousin Angela wouldn't be there at I that agree. time. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, they knew. Yeah. That's why I have a hard time believing that it's the waterbed guy. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, would Jay's mom, Lorene, tell the person on the phone that, yeah, Jay is there by herself. Go look at the bed. Yeah. Take your rope and your knife. Yeah, make sure you take all that stuff with you. There ain't nothing there. Yeah, nobody's there. Yeah, no, yeah. that's just crazy. No. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's the waterbed caller guy or not yeah i don't know i just it didn't make sense to me no it's just a a bad coincidence of timing yeah in my opinion and also uh jay's father had passed away too so the whole family is gone but uh jill her older sister jill watts uh still hopes and every day and for some kind of resolution to this yeah and i'm sure her cousin was probably pretty shooken by this too yeah but if that's, any that's her house you know. yeah but if anyone has any information that could help solve jay's case they are asked to call lieutenant israel west of the brunswick county sheriff's office and his number is 910-253-2777 yep 
Yeah, and it's pretty cool that you went back in, in time, per se, to find photos because the house is gone now. Yeah, the house is gone. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. The house was moved sometime after 2002. Yeah. Off yeah. the lot. Some had been reported it was demolished, but it, they just took it off the foundation and moved it. They moved it to Southport, hmm. which is about uh, 25 miles south of Leland. It's a port right. town there, Southport. But you went back and found some old photos where you could see the house and the floors beside of it, and you definitely could see the road that goes down, went down the side of it and everything. It's all different now. I think it's what it's apartments or something now, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, the house is gone, but that lot, there's an apartment complex on it now. Right. But you can still see the original driveway, right? Yeah, you can. Where the curb comes off. From the current satellite photos, you can see the the, yeah, the curb. So you can where, tell where it was, but you just can't tell what was there. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, that's how, you know, we was looking at that road that goes down beside of it. So that's pretty, I don't know, I think that's pretty telling that those houses that close behind it, did anybody, you could access that house without being seen? Yeah, you could, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the unsolved murder of J. Potter Mintz. Mm. Sad day. It is. She was a beautiful, beautiful girl, man. Yeah. We're going to post pictures of her. I can see why somebody would be infatuated with her. Oh, yeah. 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 I would be more looking at the gravel writing guy than than the bed buyer. Yeah. Because that's just weird. <laughs> just show up somebody's house and write in their driveway. Yeah, that is, that's creepy. AF. Yeah. Yeah. Capital. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bud, we're going to get out of here. Okay, let's roll. We want everyone to be safe. Please be careful and don't do stupid stuff. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.